Hello, Ms. Kapow. Merry Christmas to you. Hello, Brother Kapow. Today's date is December 25th, 2017. And if you're listening to us on Christmas Day, you are hardcore. And if you're listening to us at another time, God bless you. God bless you. Today, we're going to talk about the real Christmas story. Year after year, if you've been following the show for any length of time, you know around this time of year, I rant and rave about the pagan holiday and blah, 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 Christmas trees and blah, 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 over and over again. But instead of pointing out everything that's wrong or what it isn't, I thought this year would be interesting to actually talk about what it is biblically, what what the true meaning of the birth of Christ really is biblically. All right? Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a clue. It's a whole lot more than a baby Jesus in a manger filled with straw and some donkeys and sheep and some uh, a Virgin Mary with a halo and a Joseph with a halo. It's more than that. So much more. I'll give you a clue. It's called manifestation. Manifestation. Right? But before we get going, Ms. Kapow, before we get going on this tremendous, it really is a tremendous light and truth, I need to tell my one Christmas joke that I know. No. You know one Christmas joke? I know one. One. And I can only tell it once once a year. Okay. Okay, here it is. Here it is. Okay. School teacher, classroom. Right, And the teacher has an assignment for Christmas for her little children's. And she says, everybody draw the nativity scene. So her students do. And, you know, little Sally draws the scene and she gives it to the teacher. And the teacher says, oh, Sally, this is beautiful. Look at there's Joseph and there's Mary and there's this little baby Jesus with a halo and some donkeys, right? You know, mm-hmm. and then little, um, you know, little Peter, you know, he comes up and hey, look at teacher. I drew. Oh, that's beautiful. There's some mistletoe and there's a Christmas tree and there's baby Jesus hanging under the Christmas tree. That's great. You know, and it goes on and on. Well, little Jose, Jose Cuevo, he comes up. And he presents his little drawing to his teacher. And she goes, Jose, this is wonderful. I mean, Mm. you got baby Jesus and you got Joseph and you got some some sheep and a turtle dove and whatnot. But I have a question, Jose. Who is this little fat boy in the corner? Because she noticed that there's this little fat kid that Jose drew in the corner. He looked like Eric Cartman, kind of, you know, a little fat kid. And she goes, Jose, who is this fat kid in the corner? And Jose Cuervo, he says to his teacher, oh, that's round John Virgin. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> round John Virgin. That's funny. 
Round John Virgin, mother and child. You know what's funny is that you thought that was funny. That's hilarious. Oh. I think that is a, a hilarious joke. Oh. Um, and I think you have, <laughs> I think jealousy is an ugly emotion, Mr. Pun. <laughs> jealousy is such an ugly emotion. It doesn't look good on you, Mr. Pun. <laughs> Take this fight. Round John Virgin. I, okay. <sighs> I guess my career as a comedian's over. I don't think it started. Oh, <laughs> ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. All right, let's get going with the birth of Jesus, the biblical aspect. We are going to be talking out of Luke, just the Gospel of Luke. No other Gospels, just the Gospel of Luke. We're not reading the full thing. We're picking uh, certain verses. We are not going to talk about John the Baptist because this isn't about John the Baptist. It's about the birth of Christ. And um, so that's what we're going to do. All right? Okay. So we're going to read it and then we're going to break it down, do some commentary, talk about it. You're going to love this because you're going to really see a manifestation here. Okay. So Luke, and I'm going to tell you why, before we start reading it, I'm going to tell you why I chose Luke to do the Christmas story out of. In verse 1, Luke 1, verse 1, it reads, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. I'm going to stop right there. What he just said is that many people have taken it upon themselves to write a a gospel, a declaration about the things that are most surely believed among these early Christians or Messiah followers. Remember, Luke is writing to a Gentile audience. Mm -hmm. Matthew is writing to a Hebrew Israelite audience. So Luke is saying, we believe stuff And many people have written stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And then in verse two, he says, even as they, they delivered them, what? Those things that they believe on unto us. So who are they? They are the apostles, the disciples. They're the ones who walked with Christ. The original people have delivered this information to Luke and his um, partners. Even as they delivered unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. So you understand? Mm-hmm. He's saying a lot of people have taken the, the, um, the task of putting forth a declaration of the things that we believe, even as the apostles and disciples, those original eyewitnesses and original ministers of the word delivered to us, right? So this is like firsthand good information. And in verse three, he says, it seemed good to me also. Now check this out. Having had perfect understanding of 
all things from the very first. How many of you can so confidently say that? Is there, is there anybody out there who, who can confidently say, I have perfect understanding in something? Yeah. Perfectly, accurately, exactly, diligently. Luke is confident. He's so confident in what he's received. He says, I, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first. And that word means from above, from the first. Yeah, from the very beginning. And he says, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. So he's writing to a Gentile. They believe that that name is uh, Roman, a Roman name. Mm -hmm. And it means a friend of God is what it means. Theophilus means. So he's writing this to him, a Gentile. And he's saying, I have perfect understanding of these things. Verse four, that thou, Theophilus, might know the certainty of those things, wherein you have been instructed. And you know, John 20, 31 says, but these things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Mm-hmm. This part is what I call the credibility part. John, what you just read, Muscapau, shows mm-hmm. the credibility mm-hmm. of what you're about to hear. What I just read in Luke shows incredible credibility. This, these writers were so sure that they had the right information that they are writing it down and sharing it. That's why I'm using Luke because of the credibility. So it's not a Gnostic gospel. It's not a bunch of other stuff. It's the real coup de gras, right? Mm -hmm. The credibility. Now we're going to move on to the second part, and that's the Annunciation. That will be the Annunciation of Christ. From there, we'll move to the third part, the Magnificent. That's Mary's proclamation about her role in God's timing to manifest. And lastly, we're going to talk about the shepherd's confirmation of that. So those four things, the credibility, the annunciation, the magnificent, and the shepherd's confirmation. So we're going to go from the annunciation on. All right, Ms. Kapow? Got it. And if you will be so kind to read verses 26 and 38. 26 through 38? Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. That's all right. Should I tell another joke? No. I just have to... My, never mind. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. 
And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Outstanding. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, well, let's break this down. And I know you have a lot to say, Ms. Kapow. Well, I just have a few things. Okay, so we'll break it down. And then were you going to plug in? Just plug in. All right. Mm-hmm. So here we have, before verse 26, we have the narrative of John the Baptist and uh, the pregnancy of Elizabeth with John the Baptist. And so that's that's the backdrop here. The angel Gabriel uh, had visited John the Baptist's uh, father and told him what was going to happen. And so now Gabriel is visiting Mary, uh, which is Christ's human mother, which means she was the vessel in which mm-hmm. he was brought forth. Okay? Mm-hmm. The vessel. And in the sixth month, okay, of it, it, it's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy is what this means. The angel Gabriel sent from God to Nazareth and he approaches Mary who's espoused to Joseph and he's of the house of David and so is so is Mary of the house of David. Mm-hmm. Mary is of the house of David. That's her lineage. So is Joseph. We find that out later on when he's uh, when they have to do the tax. And her name's Mary. So the angel comes to her and says, "Hey, hail thou art that thou who art highly favored." So let's talk about that. Why is Mary highly favored? What did she do to become highly favored? Let me tell you. Nothing. She's favored because God favored her. Because it's God's timing. It's God's plan. It's God's perfect will and purpose to manifest himself, the Logos, the creator God into the world 
as flesh. That's why she's favored. There are some religions like Catholicism that believe Mary was sinless and that's why she was favored or that she was some kind of special goddess or something. They actually elevate her above Christ and that's not biblical. It's not Mm -hmm. right. She's favored because God favored her. You're favored because God favored you. You've received salvation because God was merciful and graceful towards you. Mm-hmm. You've done nothing to deserve it. That's right. And Mary is favored simply because she's part of God's plan. Mm-hmm. Okay? Amen. I want to make that clear. Because there's a lot of Mary worship out there. There's a lot of Virgin Mary worship out there. And Virgin Mary worship is the worship of a goddess. She's the queen of heaven. Semiramis, mm-hmm. uh, by a lot of other names, but it is the female aspect of Lucifer that's worshipped. This isn't the biblical Mary, which was the human vessel for God to manifest in the earth. That's why she's important, and it begins and ends there. It begins and ends there. She's important as the vessel. Let me explain something. maybe in human terms, the best way I can. If you were a a connoisseur of fine wine and uh, you were going to um, be fortunate enough to drink, let's say, a 200-year-old wine that um, Benjamin Franklin had personally picked the grapes and put it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, you'd pop open this cork, you'd let it breathe, they'd do the whole thing, and you would partake of this fine wine. <clears throat> and the, um, the, the event would be so you know, wonderful because of this 200-year-old age wine. But when you got done with that, or even as you're drinking the wine, would anybody uh, really think about... Uh, going back and just staring at the bottle. You know, Mm -hmm. the bottle's cool because it was, you know, corked by Benjamin Franklin, for example. But it's not the bottle. It's not the vessel. It was what's in the vessel. Right. That's the blessing. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's that's the only kind of way that comes in my head to try to explain that. So hell... Thou that art highly favored because the Lord favored her. The Lord is with thee. And then he says, blessed art thou among women. Why is she blessed among women? Because she's sinless? No. Because she was a better Jewish than any other Jewish woman out there? No. No. God gave Elizabeth, her cousin... The pregnancy, she was aged and gave the pregnancy of John the Baptist with her and her husband. Why didn't God just use Elizabeth? Right? Mm -hmm. Because Mary was chosen because she's at the right place at the right time in God's plan. That's why she's blessed. That's why she's blessed. She should not be worshiped. 
She should not be set above any other human being that's been used as a vessel. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, she gave birth to God who manifested in the flesh. She gave birth to the actual creator God of this universe. Mm -hmm. That's huge, right? Oh, gosh, nice. But you know what else is huge? When you receive the gospel of Christ and believe, the very spirit of that same creator God indwells you. Mm-hmm. You're his temple. Mm-hmm. And he changes you into a new creature. You, in fact, become a vessel of God. Of, of just like she was the vessel to manifest God in the flesh, you have God in your spirit mm-hmm. when he comes to you. You're just as blessed. And no one's going to run around and worship you. Mm-hmm. They better not. So you, you understand that? That's why she's favored and that's why she's blessed. Amen. And when Mary saw him, the angel, she was troubled at his saying, because that's a crazy thing to say, right? Mm-hmm. And she cast it in her mind. What? What kind of salutation was was this? Mm-hmm. What is this? I want you to understand it's been 400 years before God's even spoken to Israel. This this was still the intertestable period. This was right after um, Antichius, Epiphanes, uh, AD 164, 7, I forget, where, the, where that uh, that temple was, was burned. You know, that's where we come from, Hanukkah. The feast, mm-hmm. you know, the lights. Uh, there was no prophecy. There was God wasn't speaking to anybody. And the last king of Israel, Jeconiah, there was a curse placed on him by God and said, Nobody from your lineage, from your loins, will ever sit on the throne. Mm-hmm. So there was there was never a king since that point. So you got to understand when when an angel appears to Mary and says, Hey, <laughs> your favorite of God, right? Mm-hmm. That's some heavy stuff. Yeah. So she she's going, what, what is this all about? And so Gabriel says, don't be afraid, Mary, for, for you have found favor with God. Okay, so we got the words blessed. We got the words favored. And once again, why is she favored with God? Because she's part of his plan. Mm-hmm. And this is a fulfillment in the of the Old Testament. In Isaiah 7.14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Also in um, Psalm 132.11, it says, The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David, he will not turn from it. For of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. And then again in Isaiah 9, 6-7, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be shown no end, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The seal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. Amen. And that really sets 
in the cement the favor that she has with God mm-hmm. <clears throat> because she is playing a part in the fulfillment of his prophetic word. Because mm. what he says is going to happen, happens. And she's part of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why she's blessed and favored. It's a beautiful thing. But it doesn't go beyond that with her. It doesn't go beyond that. It's all about God and his plan. It always has been. It's never about us. Yep, because man shall live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Exactly. Whether you're blessed or you're cursed. Exactly. That's the only thing that matters. So then the angel goes on and says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name in the Greek is Jesus. We're not going to split hairs here. This is a Greek version of the New Testament, Jesus. Okay. In the Hebrew, it's Yehoshua or Joshua. In Aramaic, it's Yeshua. I don't care what you call him, how well, if you use the Greek or English or or the, the Spanish or call him Jesus. I don't care as long as you're talking about the real Jesus. That's right. And not another Jesus. That's right. All right. So she says, you're going to bring forth a son, a son to call his name Jesus. So Jesus means, uh, what's what does Jesus mean, Ms. Kapow? Um, salvation. God's, sal- yes. Jehovah's salvation. Yeah, Jehovah is salvation. So mm-hmm. she's like, okay, she's getting more and more clue why she's favored and blessed of God. Okay, what's going on? What's going on, right? And he goes on, he says, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. Here's a clue, folks. The birth of this child that she's going to give birth to will be called the son of the highest. That means he's the son of God. Mm-hmm. And the Lord God, that's the creator God. That's in, in the Hebrew, that's Yahweh, the one they worship. That's Jehovah. That's the God of King of Kings. There's no, he's it. The highest shall give unto him. Jesus, the throne of his father, David. Mm-hmm. So, so far what we got, Mary, you got to understand Mary for 400 years, it's been silent. Uh, they were taken into captivity, you know, <clears throat> um, there was another, there was never another king on the throne. She's going, holy cow, look at this. I'm going to give birth to the king, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And she knows she's of lowly origins. She's not... She's not a Hasmonean. She's not part of Herod's uh, kingship, right? Mm -hmm. So this is absolutely incredible to her. And Gabriel goes on, he says, and he, Jesus, shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Forever. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob. Are you grafted in? Are we grafted into Israel? Mm -hmm. We're grafted in. What does Paul say about who are who are the children of Abraham? Those the, that have the Spirit of God in them. Yes. That have been circumcised by the Spirit of God. Yes. And we got there through faith. Mm-hmm. We got there through faith in the gospel of who Yeshua is. So he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. 
That's you. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. This is all prophecy. There shall be no end. Wow. So then Mary says unto the angel, now she's not doubting. She's just saying, how shall this be? Seeing, I don't know a man. I don't, I'm not married yet. So she doesn't ask for a sign or, you know, doubt. she's just like, ah, what? You know, you, you sure got the right person. And the angel saying unto her, now this is important. The Holy Ghost shall come upon you and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Can you think about that? The power of of the creator God, the God of gods, the almighty, there is no other is going to overshadow you. Mm. Now, folks, this is the same Holy Ghost that lives in your spirit. Amen. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. This is the miracle of Christmas right here. It's, it's nothing else. This is it. He continues, therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called, dun, 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 dun. You ready for it? The son of God. Mm. Here's the deal. In John, the gospel of John, he says the word was with God. And the word was God, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. All things were created by the word, the logos, which is the intelligence of God. So Jesus, the logos, the word was always with God. He was never created by God in eternity past. Mm -mm. He is God right? That's right. When he becomes manifest in human form, he then becomes the son of God. It refers to him on earth, the son of man, the son of God. This is where he becomes the son. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I say that there are some Doctrines out there, they believe in the eternal sonship of Christ. So basically, they make him a created being. If he, if he was a son created in eternity past, he's no better than Gabriel or any other archangel. So the person who died on the cross is an angel, <laughs> not God himself. You see that slope? Mm -hmm. This is where he becomes the son of God. This is, this is the Christmas story, the real Christmas story. And so the angel says, and now look, your cousin Elizabeth, that's John the Baptist's mother, she's also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So it's a miracle over there too. And he says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. You see, you can marvel at all this. Oh, uh, a virgin birth. Uh, oh, what's going but with God, nothing's impossible. He's the creator of God. It was his timing. And so Mary says, 
Look at, look at the handmaid of the Lord. Look at me. I'm the servant. I am your servant. Be it unto me according to thy word. Let whatever God needs for me to do, whatever God wants to do with me and my life and my body, let it be. Mm-hmm. Right? And the angel departed from her. Wow. Wow. And that's the annunciation. Do you have anything to add to that, Ms. Capel? No. So let me talk about that part where God, where the angel says, verse 35, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So this is God manifested in the flesh. Let's look at 2 Timothy 1.10 real quick. And um, Paul is writing to Timothy and he's talking about Christ who saved us. And that they were called with a holy calling. Timothy was called with a holy calling. Not according to our works, you see. There was nothing they did, just like Mary. There was nothing she did to get favor. She wasn't sinless. But according to his own purpose and grace. I'm sorry, I'm in verse 9, kind of paraphrasing here. According to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing. Paul and Timothy are called according to to God's own purpose way before the world began, just like Mary was called for his purpose way before the world began. That's why she was blessed and favored to bring forth God in the flesh. And in verse 10, Paul tells Timothy, but is now, he's talking about Christ, because he just said Christ Jesus before the world began, right? Mm -hmm. The eternal past. But now in verse 10, he says, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So Christ is now made manifest. That Greek word is phaneru, phaneru. And it means to render apparent, to appear, to declare, to show self, to make visible, to make the hidden known. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. That's what it means to become plainly recognized. So what Paul is saying is that in the eternal past, God had a purpose and it was given to us in Christ Jesus way before the world began. Mm -hmm. But that purpose is now made manifest by the appearing. And that word is epiphania. Mm -hmm. It means manifestation, the advent of Christ, his appearing, his brightness. And that's what the birth of Christ is. It's not just a baby Jesus in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. It is the manifestation, the appearance, 
appearing the brightness of God himself in human form on this planet. Mm-hmm. And when he, and it doesn't stop at his birth because he goes on to abolish death and bring life and immortality to light through what? The good news of his work. Yep. First John 3, 8 says for... This purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He was manifested Mm -hmm. for a specific purpose. He came into this realm. This is beyond huge. Mm -hmm. You see, because if the world was, uh, if, if, in fact, the earth was created about 6,000 years ago, and if there was worlds of worlds before that or whatever, I don't know, but a long time, and then in the garden, man fell and death entered in. And so you're talking like 4,000 years later, Christ says, I have, you know, God says, I have a plan. My logos, my word, I have a plan to redeem mankind from death and to reconcile him. And this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to become one of him and, and, and appear and manifest on this realm. This was the new thing that God was talking about in Isaiah 43, 19. Yeah. Yes. It's huge. There's nothing, mm-hmm. there's nothing bigger in known history. Mm-mm. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing bigger than this. So to reduce the birth of Christ to a Christmas carol or a Christmas joke about round, round John Virgin, right? Mm-hmm. Or to make Mary some holy queen of heaven and put a halo on her, or to form a church and call it the Immaculate Conception, is blasphemy and heresy, and it's also anti-Christ. It's also anti-Messiah. That's mm-hmm. not what he came to do. Mm-mm. He came to save your soul and to give you individuals redemption because you're favored and blessed by God when you believe. That's the true Christmas story. Mm-hmm. Not about trees and gifts and holidays and all that stuff. Enjoy the cultural holiday. But know, know what it is. Mm-hmm. And when people say, remember Jesus, he's the reason for the season. Do they really know? Yeah. This is truth. This for, is truth. First Peter 1, 18. Says, yes. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Man, did you get that? He was foreordained. It's the same thing Paul wrote to Timothy before the world began. He was here. Who verily was foreordained, preordained before the foundation of the world. This is the eternal logos. This is God, the creator God. Nothing that was made was not made without him. He spoke into existence. Mm-hmm. The he universe. Was- Hebrews 4.3 said the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Way beyond our comprehension. And this same power then is manifest. Well, 
Peter that you just read, that word is phanero. Mm -hmm. Manifest, make manifest, bring forth, declare. He became. That's right. He revealed in these last times for you. Once again, last times means from the time Christ was manifested, there is no other ages until he returns and takes total kingship for eternity. Mm -hmm. There's no other, there's nothing else in between. We're at that last, this is the last age, the last time. That's right. Wow. Hebrews 9.26 says, Now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Beautiful. That's why he appeared. Mm -hmm. That's the purpose. Not to be worshipped as a baby, right? That's right. Not to stay as a juvenile, right? Because mm -hmm. he had a purpose. He had a work. That's what it was about. Do you have anything else on, no. on that? Okay. Let's take a short commercial break, and then we're going to come back with what Mary's response is. It's called the Magnificent. Mm -hmm. All right? Okay. Hello, Kapow Radio Show listener. You came here to get assistance, knowledge, or perhaps to be part of a unique community that exposes evil. We thank you for your compassionate and strong prayers through the years. Since 2011, we have had over 370,000 listens to over 1,000 episodes of free Bible teaching and spiritual commentary. However, we are experiencing rising production costs within our podcast hosting platforms, free apps, online advertising, website hosting, and aging equipment. We continue to finance the cost in order to bring a unique biblical message to the listener free of charge. You can share in that work while expanding the message to new global audiences. Would you consider a small donation? Share because the world has become much darker and needs to hear truth. It only takes a minute by going to the desktop sites of kapowradioshow.com or fifthhookmedia.com and clicking the donate button. We thank you in advance for any small amount that is placed upon your heart and for joining us in the kingdom against powers of wickedness. The Kapow Radio Show Network produces high-quality podcasts that you definitely want to hear. So stick around and get prepared to stimulate your spirit. And we're back. And let's start with verses 46 through 56. And this is called The Magnificent. This is from Mary. Okay, it says 46. Let me see. And this is after she had went and met Elizabeth and um, John the Baptist in the womb leapt for joy mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, upon being in the presence of God. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's really a beautiful story. Read that on your own. And, and I say, I, I suggest read, you know, Luke chapter uh, one and two on all this. Um, and it's after this. And so Elizabeth is telling Mary, you know, wow, look at this stuff, you know, from the Lord, you know, that he's doing, you know, you're blessed and all this stuff. And this is what Mary says. It's kind of like a, almost like the, the ancient Hebrew songs. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. And Mary said, My soul does magnify the Lord, 
And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. And that right there tells you that she's not a goddess, <laughs> that she also needed a Savior. A uh, Good point. Excellent point. Because if you were sinless, you wouldn't need a Savior. Mm-hmm. Hey, thank you. Verse 48. For he has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has lifted the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his ser- servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spake, and as, I'm sorry, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Beautiful. And so that's the Magnificent. Um, and that's what she sings or that's what she says or prophesies speaking unto God. And it's like Miss Kapow brought the point out. If she was sinless and anything different than a human vessel, she wouldn't need a savior. Mm-hmm. You know, and she did have a low estate. You know, later on we read where they went to the temple after um, eight days to have Jesus circumcised. They did everything according to the law, by the way. Mm-hmm. It was a law of Moses. And then it also says the law of God, right. where it says that uh, the law of God says that uh, blessed uh, or uh, holy shall be uh, a, every male that breaks forth out of the womb. And they go, they dedicate uh, uh, Jesus, so they have him circumcised eight days later according to the law of Moses, mm-hmm. law of God. And so he was born under the law, did everything under under the law, um, became a child of the law on that. And, that. and that's a whole different study in itself. Think yep. about that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they were low estate because later on it says, um, after her purification, and that was about 40 days. It, it is 40 days. The Levitical law was 40 days for a male and I think 80 days for a female. They go, uh, they have to go and do a purification thing. And if you were, if you had money, you would do a lamb or a bull or, you know, goat, something. But they had to use uh, doves, turtle doves. So it shows, it shows the lowly estate. Even, even that he was in a manger was a lowly estate. So that's mm-hmm. what, that's what. That's what God does, right? And all generations do call her blessed. She shouldn't be worshipped. There shouldn't be churches named out of her. There shouldn't be pictures of her with halos and all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. she's blessed because she was that vessel that carried in the manifestation, the fanuru of God himself. Amen. Right? I love when she says, he is mighty because he's done to me great things. Not, Mm -hmm. Not because I deserved it and I did stuff, but him. That's right. Yeah. All right. I don't think there's anything else there. Mm-mm. I mean, you know, for our purposes. Mm-mm. Okay. So well, let's go to chapter two, Luke chapter two, verses eight through 20. Okay. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, 
which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God to the highest, and to earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary, and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Amen. And that part where Ms. Kapow just read, that's called the shepherd's confirmation. So we started off with the credibility of the story, according to Luke, who had a perfect understanding of what went down. And this is what he's relating to us, the credibility. And then we talked about the annunciation, about the manifest, the manifestation of God made flesh. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about the magnificent Mary's prophetic words speaking utterance unto God. And now this is the shepherd's confirmation. And there's other confirmation. In Matthew, we have the wise men and you have other things. And also in Luke here, we have um, when they go to the temple, mm-hmm. uh, is it Simon? Simon. Yeah, Simon mm-hmm. uh, sees Jesus. Uh, Anna, the prophetess. Mm-hmm. See, so there's other confirmation, but you know, for lack of, of time, we're going to end it here because it gets the point across mm-hmm. what the real birth of Christ was about. So what you have here is you have these shepherds who were in the country because it was a, a time, a taxation time or a census, but a taxation time. And so everybody had to go to their own country where they were from. And both Mary and Joseph had to go back to Bethlehem, the city of David, because that's where they were from. And, um, so it was really crowded there. Everybody knows the story, really crowded, no room in the inn. And so there, uh, it's just time for her to give birth. She gives birth and she places him in a manger, which is like a horse stall, or um, apparently that's where they would uh, feed the horses, mm-hmm. you know, like a trough. So, so it just kind of shows the lowly beginnings. Here's God of the universe <laughs> sitting in a horse trough, you know, mm-hmm. but it was used as a sign, see, for the shepherds. So I don't think, I, you know, this is my speculation. The story doesn't say this, but I don't think these were just like shepherds out in the field going, dad, dad, look at the sheep. I mean, these are people who were looking for the Messiah. Mm-hmm. These were men who spent a lot of time uh, at alone. I mean, these ones were keeping watch over the night. So they're looking at the stars, the sky, they're contemplating God and their Messiah. These are these are real Israelites, mm-hmm. see, and and so it then it was revealed to them. So the angel of the Lord comes to them, probably Gabriel comes about them, bright light. 
And they're like, oh, what the heck? Everybody's afraid when you see an angel, really, all right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, you know, don't worry. It's great joy, which will be upon all people. I'm telling you, man, this is good news. And born to stay in the city of David is a savior, which is Christ, which means Messiah. Mm-hmm. It's the Mashiach. It's mm-hmm. the Messiah of God. That's the good news. That's the whole gist of his birth. Mm-hmm. There's n- nothing else needs to be added to it. That's it. That's the best. That's right. Doesn't get any better than that. Mm-mm. And so they go, this sign shall be unto you. You're going to find a little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. Mm-hmm. That's God. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, that's that's the sign. That's you're, When you see that, that's God. So no one's going to expect God to be sitting in a manger in a horse trough. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's going to expect that. They're going to expect him in the house of Herod, you know, in the kingship, things like that. So quite amazing. And then what I think is neat is then the other angels come down, a big army, a big host comes out, and they're all singing, glory to God. Mm-hmm. Glory to God in the highest, and also glory to God on earth. Mm-hmm. Peace and goodwill toward men. Why is there peace and goodwill toward men? Because God's redemptive plan started this day. That's what Christmas is really about. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, I like what um, further down in the um, chapter two about Simeon, you know, he said that the Holy Ghost had told him that he would not die until he saw um, the salvation of God. And this is what he said to the Lord. He says, Lord, now let thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes has seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and mm-hmm. the glory of the people Israel. And then if you go back to um, Isaiah 42, 6, it says, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant for the people, for a light unto the Gentiles. And then in 49, 6, it also says, and he said, it is a light thing that thou should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Because you, know, you already have all those ancient prophecies about God redeeming mankind, not just Israel, but also a light to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. You have that way from the beginning. And here it is. Yeah. And then gives it a whole different perspective too. When you see, when you read John three sixteen. For it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Mm. And then First John right. 4 says, and this was manifested the love of God towards us. Mm. Because manifested. that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him here in his love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation for our sins. You see the common theme here. It's always a manifestation and it has nothing to do with the people, their sinlessness or their good works that Mm -mm. deserve the grace. Mm -mm. It's always because of the purpose of God. That's right. Because he so loved the world. Mm -hmm. He so loved it. 
And I'm just going to read Acts. This was uh, what Peter, not Peter, what, yeah, but Peter said um, in Acts after they had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, For David speaketh concerning him, that means Jesus, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with my with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me speak let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he both dead, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made the same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Mm. That, that, <laughs> there it is. Peter takes it all and sums it right up mm-hmm. to his listeners. Sums it right up. And that's what it's all about. That's this whole show. It's the gospel. Yeah. That That is the good news. There's nothing else that needs to be added to it. Mm-mm. You don't need to add rock and roll music and you don't need to add a, a priestly caller. You don't need to add a choir or offerings or a church building or a Jesus cross or pews or blah, 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 blah. This is it. Jesus is the good news. He's the good news. He's the gospel. And it was so from eternity past mm-hmm. until he was manifested. And that's what Christmas really is. Amen. That's what, if you want to use that term, Christmas, that's what it really is. That's what we should be celebrating every day. And like my little Miss Kapow always says about Christmas, mm. what do you say? Every day is Christmas. Exactly. And when it comes to the gospel of Christ, every day is Christmas. Right? That's right. That's right, Jerry. Anything else? Uh, let's see. I was going to read John 1, 14, if I can. Go for it. Go for it. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the word was made flesh. I think it's pretty clear. The manifestation, huh? Mm-hmm. Is that it? That's it. Well, wish everybody a Merry Christmas and good night. Ciao, babies. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.